basically a Linux new when it comes to package managers. That's probably why I was so enthralled with the AUR. <laughs> um, okay. So, and obviously, I think everyone who at least has started out on Linux probably starts out on Ubuntu, right? So they're most familiar with apt-get um, or the GNOME software center. So what I really want to do it, um, to begin with is talk about the visual, the, the GUI software or package managers first. Because if you're just going to start out, if you're just starting out on Linux, you say you manage to get through the hurdles of installing you know, just straight up Ubuntu or Linux Mint uh, or whatever you know, like Cinnamon on Linux Mint. Um, the first thing you're probably going to do is boot up the software uh, GUI manager. Um, so, like on uh, Ubuntu, that's the GNOME Software Center now. Um, on uh, KD, some K some KD um, based distros. It's Discover. Um, on Manjaro KDE, they use um, uh, Octopi, um, which is I think it's just a purely an Arch thing. Um, on uh, other Arch distributions, it's just the Add Remove Software GUI, um, and yeah. then so and and so like there's all these different things. Um, the thing is. I one that I tried first was Ubuntu, right? So, I was familiar with the GNOME Software Center, and that's kind of terrible for, from a, a perspective of actually using it. You can't find anything. Um, I mean, they have spaces for images of like the programs. Like ninety percent of them are just blank. Um, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, but it just it, it's not a a very well put together kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why why the the one for regular Arch Linux um, is actually a lot better because they don't even try to do that, or at least not until recently. Have you used, because they, they just recently updated the add remove uh, programs on Arch Linux to make it more category based, and I didn't really care for it all that much, but that's beside the point. What, what, yeah. what do you think of the, the GUI based um, Okay, so yeah, I would start a little bit back from the beginning, right? I mean, if you if you think about it conceptually, what what's like the package manager role there, even before the GUI. So if, if you think about it, it's like you're in Windows, you want a program, right? So you download the binary, which is the .exe file, and probably the installer. And the installer is going to bundle within lots of libraries that are used by that program. And then if you download another program, that another program is going to probably install the libraries it needs. And every program is, having its own uh, requirements. So if you think about that, what do Windows programs share? They share very little. I mean, they share very low level Windows uh, uh, libraries uh, for, for like uh, showing the Windows if 
I mean, they were like like the composite window and the, the part that would be the window manager, they would share very low level Windows library to make it an executable to work with, I don't know, 64-bit architecture and execute. But the rest of that is going to be probably independent to Windows and the program will contain its own library. And so that's a good and bad thing, right? It's It's good because in Windows, once you have an installer, and that installer complies to what Windows uh, works with in .x and you use a standard compiler or whatever, then 99% that program will work. So that's a good thing. The bad thing is that every program is containing its own libraries and its own dependencies, to put it in, in, in a word. So if you think about that and compare it to Linux or specifically, for example, Arc Linux, to, uh, what it does is that programs actually share more than just a few libraries. They share a lot of things. They share, I don't know, Qt libraries, uh, JTK libraries, if they use JTK for the Windows Composite. They use a uh, um, lower level C++ library, depending on how they are executed. They share fonts. They share uh, executable uh, libraries. They share a lot of things that all of those programs have in common. So usually the programs in Linux are more lightweight than Windows. And the good thing is that Whoever the owner of the, as a library that's acting, acting as a dependency for many programs makes an update, all those programs are getting a benefit from that. And that's not happening in Windows. The only way you upgrade a program in Windows is actually downloading a newer version, which will contain newer version of the library. So that's a good and bad thing. And if you think about that, that's why, coming back to Packer, uh, Package Manager, that's why Package Manager in Linux are more far more complex and at the same time provide lots of benefits. They're complex because they have all of this dependency management to deal with. And that means you need to let your package manager be able to identify what libraries your program uses, what are the dependencies. And that's basically what Arc Linux Pacman does. They provide like sort of an API, the PKG build file where it states what version of the program you have and what are its dependencies. And then it's going to say whether, to tell whether the dependencies are going to be used from the system. And for some programs that are not compatible or kind of outdated, you can specify, okay, you specific program, you use this old version of the library and I bundle it for you here or put it somewhere else and tell you where it is. So, I mean, Sorry for speaking along, but uh, but the idea is that the depend the package manager are more complex, um, but also more powerful because they have more power uh, in saying how programs work and what do they need. And the more dependencies they share, the more flexible the programs are. So the package manager is hard to make, and Octopi does a, a good work because it basically interprets what Pacman would do. Um, but in the time you have a problem with a dependency, say for example, Arc Linux updated the low-level library and a program you have uses that library and suddenly that program does not work anymore, then you're stuck. That program won't work because it will be using a library newer than the one that it was meant to work with and you need to wait for the package maintainer to update that package. 
with the new library or replace the new library with the old one. So to tell the program to use that old library instead and so on and so forth. So back to the GUI uh, package managers, these things resolve those kind of things, but do not add any logic there. They just called Pacman. And in some cases they do some optimization into how to download the dependencies. If you remove them, do you want to delete the dependencies? And it will check whether the dependencies are used by other programs. So package manager are a very complex but powerful thing. And that's why advanced Linux users still prefer the terminal. Because through the terminal, you have more control into how those things work. So right. that's a little bit my, my view there. Uh, sorry for going a little bit too far, but I think. That's fine. It, yeah. You got very, very, very technical then and said some things that I didn't um, necessarily know about, um, which is great. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but. You know, so I, my first experience with Linux was actually OpenSUSE back in like maybe like 2002 and I used it on like a live actual CD. Um, I, I, <laughs> kids listening today are like, what are CDs? Uh, it's like, a, it was like a CDRW or something. It was like crazy. I remember how everybody like used to stock up on those things and the, and the office stores had those on sale. Um, but anyways, I didn't use it for very long. Um, mainly because I wasn't in, much into computers those days. I was much more interested in getting to college and you know, girls, um, but, but then I realized that girls are scary and I don't want to talk about them anymore. Um, anyways, so I, I left Linux behind for quite a while and then I came back, you know, just recently, so I don't, didn't know much about uh, a, a Linux beyond whatever, yeah. well, all my certifications and everything for my job were all in Windows. Um, like I didn't deal with Linux, like at all. Yes, yes. It was Windows Server 2008, Windows Server 2012, you know, all these mm -hmm. things. And, you know, but when I moved into doing, you know, working from home and installing Linux, the first thing I installed was Ubuntu. And I think that's what most people are going to think. And um, the, the thing I, I've learned really about Linux and as I've distro hopped my way through, you know, many, many distros is that each one has their own separate way of, handling software. Um, they do all have a, a, a GUI software um, manager, um, but not all of them are, are very good. Um, but once you get into using um, the command line and start looking up things, um, they're also all very different. Um, so if we want to talk about app get for uh, j just a minute, um, yeah. th that that's um, a, a very well-known and very well, um, it's a very easy package manager to use. Um, you know, you, you have to, but there's things that you have to go out and find. So if you wanted to install, say you wanted to install the Papyrus Icon uh, pack for, uh, you know, GTK or KDE, whatever uh, mm -hmm. you're doing, you have to find the PPA in Ubuntu. And then you have to install it and use app get and app get update uh, and app get install. Um, so there's certain, each package manager you use has different ways of doing it. And, and that's one thing I really didn't know when, it came, when I came to um, Linux. So I mean, I, I wasn't on Ubuntu for very long and, and then I moved to um, 
I can't remember what one I went to next. Okay, I've been to, through so many, but it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't Ubuntu based or, or Debian based or whatever. Um, so I tried to install. I, I tried. I, I got into the the terminals, flexing my fingers. All like I'm going to install um, uh, Evolution or something. It was yeah. it was like a, or Thunderbird or something. Um, and I was like app get uh, Thunderbird, and it was like app gets not installed. So I was like so. Like what? Like I, I didn't. I, I had no clue. I thought app get was universal. I mean, maybe it's just you know, maybe that's a stupid assumption. Um, and now looking back on it, it is because they're all you know different distros. Um, but I just thought app get was the package manager for Linux. But it, uh, and I think that maybe I, I, the problem is I think that a lot of people when they get into Linux are just going to use Ubuntu and um, or an Ubuntu based you know distro, um, and then just have app get forever and then they just make the same assumption that i did is, is that app get is you know the package manager for everything um but it's not so i mean so we have yeah. uh we have the the arch based uh package manager which is pacman and pack aur um yeah. and then the for um so for like the red hat based which is fedora right huh. is um Yum and RPM based. Uh, yeah. yeah. So so basically, like, well, if if you, I mean, you need to think like from the most uh, standard Linux distributions, and if you think about that, you get first first you get Debian. So from Debian, Debian is the one that's actually including the apt-get, and mm -hmm. actually apt-get is not not used anymore. That's like old. They are now reduced that word to apt. So you do apt install Thunderbird and apt remove mm. Thunderbird, and that's it. Interesting. See, I um, didn't know that. Yeah. So from I mean, Debian is the one including the the .deb kind of files uh, packages that could uh, that actually what's using beneath it it's the dpkg, right? Which that's like beneath, uh, like under the hood package manager that does installation, but apt has all this dependency tracking some uh, similar to our Linux that it tracks uh, what are the dependencies of each program, what are the suggested packages, what are the recommended packages, and it tracks whether a package has been automatically installed or not, if it's an orphan. So it's quite powerful uh, app, uh, APT. And they also include the other uh, manager, which is called the aptitude. Uh, aptitude is more like another layer on top of the PKG where they have more sort of control of the dependencies and it's not very widely used but it's more for specific things like installing some proprietary drivers that need some specific control that aptitude provides. So on top of Debian you have things like Ubuntu, then you have Mint which is on top of Ubuntu and Ubuntu is on top of Debian, and you have others like, I don't know, Elementary, um, all all the flavors of Ubuntu that they are like, I don't know, Kubuntu, Subuntu, and so on and so forth. All of these use the apt package, and it's quite powerful. And it's the, the biggest thing is that it has a huge repository. Um, then you have like the other um, big package which uh, management, which is made by packages in R RPM format. So in any website or anything, you want to download a program and then you provide 
a Linux package, you usually have the .deb file, which is for Debian, and the .rpm, which is for RPM-based packages. And in here, you have mostly Red Hat-based distributions. And here it comes for OpenSUSE, Fedora, Red Hat itself, and a few others. Uh, so this kind use the RPM, and then you have uh, I don't know, OpenSUSE and Fedora providing the YUM, but YUM is not anymore. Now Fedora used the DNF, which is more look like look like Pac-Man and AFT. So these three are quite similar. You do DNF install, DNF remove, uh, whatever, and this is what's being used. But those are like the biggest, uh, like the biggest package management. So you have the Debian based, the RPM based, which is Red Hat, and the Arc Linux, which is the Pac-Man. Uh, then you have others like I don't know, Majea, which came from uh, the old Mandriva or Mandrake. Uh, then you have other distributions with its own package manager, uh, like um, I don't know, uh, Void Linux, that it contains its own. Uh, package manager, but the most important ones are these three one, and all the other distributions use the same thing. Uh, whether they provide GUI interface on top of them or not, uh, there aren't that many after all. I, I myself muted there, sorry. Yeah. Uh, maybe it just seems more complicated because of all the um, different um, ways you get to them. With the the GUIs and stuff, um, I don't know. So obviously, I talked about this last time. Is that I really prefer the AUR um, mainly because it just seems like everything is just there, right? I mean, it's not you. You don't have to go searching for whatever the address is in in, a, in the PPA um, like you do with a hat. Um, but uh, granted, I have I, I probably will end up going back to Ubuntu just to give it a little bit more of a try. Um, really Ubuntu is, is dying a lot. I mean, not dying, <laughs> but it's like coming down in popularity because they are uh, like people's getting bored with their outdated packages and they are trying to shift this towards Wayland. So I would say Mint is the right now distribution for for what Ubuntu was sometime. I mean, that's my opinion there. Linux Mint is... Mm -hmm. Super yeah. powerful distribution there. I've if only tried, tried I only tried Mint for just a little while. Um, and I think it, that I got turned off by the Mate. Um, uh, they, they use Cinnamon as main desktop. I mean, they provide Cinnamon and Mate, but Cinnamon. I know, but I downloaded the, the Mate yeah. version, not the Cinnamon yeah. version. Um, mainly because I heard that the Cinnamon one was close to what the Linux or the Windows interface was, and I was trying to get away from that. <laughs> But that was just my ignorance playing, and so I'll probably try Cinnamon. I actually do want to give the XFCE version of uh, Arch Linux a try on this main yeah. computer. So that'll be my next. That'll be my next stop in, in my distro hopping uh, adventure. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I'm gonna. <laughs> the problem is, I, I, like, I really, really like Arch Linux, so um, I'm gonna have a hard time. No, so we're, our next uh, Linux review is actually going to be Fedora. So, and I've only in, played with Fedora for just like maybe five minutes, like on a, on a, on a live key. Um, so, um, it'll be interesting to see what the experiences I have with uh, that package manager for that um, compared to what I do with 
arch legs to see if I like it just as well or if it's um, uh, completely un like uh, like I'm stupid, so maybe I won't be able to uh, figure it out. I'm not sure. <laughs> it depends on your use case. I mean, XFCE. Yeah. The thing is that it uses about 250 megabytes of RAM. So if you have like low resources notebook, then uh, if you instead go to KDE or Genome, with, which they use about one gigabyte of RAM, it's four times smaller than RAM. And the good thing about the XFC is that you can customize it a lot. Like you can create any number of panels, uh, set the, 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 I don't know, the transparency, add docs very easily to it, uh, workspace switching, customize about everything about it. So you can make it look really pretty, I mean, and still use about 250 megabytes of RAM. Does, does it use one of the, um, like, does it use GTK or QT or any of those things, or is it, does it have its yeah. own? Yeah, it's GTK-based. Okay, so, so you can download uh, Genome themes, like Edwaita, Breeze, or the popular GTK themes, Dark. Yeah, I, I use EvoPop, which is my favorite one. Um, yeah, yeah, so, you can use, it. it's pretty standard, so you can, Use any icon pack, mouse pointer pack, um, GTK themes, uh, whatever. It's it's very customizable. So explain to me the differences between that. Uh, so we're totally obviously totally off topic, but who cares? Um, <laughs> let's go on an adventure. What's the difference between that and LXD? Yeah. So LXDE is also. I mean, it's a more lightweight even more lightweight than XFC and less customizable. So if you're really serious about a very minimalistic desktop environment and very tough or rough on the memory consumption, then you would, I mean, your next stop would be either LXD or LXQT, which is the QT version of the lightweight desktop, or so is yeah. LXDE going to be going away and switching to QT, or are they both going to no, stay? No, no, no. They, they are both live and together. You can, I mean, generally, you can use either LXQT or LXDE, and you actually have those two for Ubuntu Ubuntu uh, flavors. You have the Lubuntu, that's LXDE desktop, and then I think you have, I'm not sure if you have an Ubuntu LXQT, but... I think I think I read that I think I read that the Ubuntu is going to LXQT. Okay, yeah, it's probably another flavor, but yeah, they they are more extremist, and unless you are like trying on a very old computer, uh, I mean, I personally wouldn't suggest them. Mm, okay. Uh, for for medium stuff, I mean, XFC is a very good intermediate, or uh, you can also try uh, Mate, which is the other intermediate, but I don't, I'm not very fond of it because it's a little bit old looking, more based on Genome 2. Right. It's a fork of Genome 2 before Genome went uh, crazy on Genome 3 <laughs> with the full screen app searching stuff. Um, yeah, can we just talk so, about Genome for a yeah. little while? Um, yeah. Originally, I hated it. Um, <laughs> just going into it, I mean, so I'm a very... I'm a guy who, I mean, the reason why I love KDE is because, I mean, literally you can do anything you want with KDE. I mean, it's just so, I mean, they give you so many options. It's, I can see how it could be, like, overwhelming for things. And I can also see Have why. Have you ever used the activities on KDE? Like the side panel that switches between them? 
Yeah, you have like an activities panel where you define your activities, like what you're working on, and you create different activities. And each activity is like a pack of windows. So you switch, I don't know, my painting activities, and you have, I don't know, GIMP there and a few videos. And then you have your programming activity, and you click there, and it will take you to those windows that you put there. Uh, it's like a lot of stuff for me to process. I don't understand it, but. <laughs> but if yeah, it went I, through KDE, you might have seen it. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I don't use it. Um, they also do this weird thing where you can kind of navigate uh, your folder structure, for folders and file and directory structure, like on the desktop. Hmm. Um, it's really weird. Um, and it can get very confusing because it, like, opens up. It's, like, comes up into little tiled windows that are really hard to close. Um, so it does some really weird things. I can also understand why it's so buggy because, I mean, they're trying to do so many... You know different things, of course, and there's so many different people collaborating on like the, the, the settings window and redesigning that for the next version, and uh, you know giving you all these different options. I mean, it's just, of course, it's going to be a little bit buggy. Um, but when, yes, when, it's huge. When I, when I first started with GNOME, I you, um, uh, I, I hated it because I mean, like you look at it, it doesn't really seem customizable at all. Like so. Um, you don't. You don't. If if you just install the GNOME-based distro, uh, you don't know anything about customizing it because the only way you can get into GNOME extensions is by downloading the Twig tool, right? Um, and I didn't know anything about that. Um, so cool. GNOME is actually fairly extensible. They just you just have to know about it. Um, so um, I like it a little bit better now than I used to, but I still don't find it as enjoyable as something like Budgie. Um, that looks. I mean, I don't know why I'm so in in, in entranced with Budgie because Budgie at the base of it is just. Uh, I mean, it looks like Windows. I mean, it really, it really, really does. Especially if you put the if you put the panel at the bottom, you have the start menu, you have your icons along the bottom, and you, your tax trim, and it's Windows. Um, and I wanted to get away from Windows, so I don't know know why I ended up with G. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I I moved away from it from. Gnome because I didn't care for the Gnome, uh, you know, just the general out, out, you know, layout of it. I, I don't care for it as much, and I can see why people were very up in arms about it when they switched away from a more traditional desktop environment look. I mean, it's very, very different. I can understand why they're trying to do it. It's just, it's. Not, I don't think it's for everybody, and that's why. So I mean, a lot of people. So we can talk about this for a little while. Um. So. Yeah. Ubuntu is going to GNOME, right? So a lot of people were asking, like, why didn't they go to KDE? Like, because I mean, KDE is the, the you know the other major one, um, and I think the real reason we we touched on it was that KDE is just too complicated, right? Um, for people to, I mean, because Ubuntu yeah, is the like everyday. It's also a thing on Wayland, which is the new composite manager replacing Sorg some at some day. Mm -hmm. So KDE is a little bit uh, going a little bit slower on the Wayland support, uh, where, where Genome they have already a full supported desktop environment running on this composite manager. Yeah, I've read quite a bit about Wayland, but Wayland's gonna is has a hard time with older, like older graphics cards and stuff. Is that is that right? No, not exactly. The problem I mean, with Wayland is that the programs need to be rewritten. To use the Wayland Composite Manager, and for those that are 
old programs that they don't. Wayline provides like an API to using Sorg. So you have what's called xWayland or for some packages like uh, Weston, uh, it's, which is like uh, Wayland to Sorg uh, compatibility compositor. So kind of right now, if you use a Wayland um, desktop environment, uh, you will still be using Sorg library because 70% of the program are still running in Sorg. Um, like all the games, standard programs, VLC, media player, most of them are still running in Sorg. So if you switch to Gnome, which is using Wayland, you are also using Sorg at this point of time. So it's yeah. quite a little bit sooner, but the thing about Wayland is that it's a more secure composite manager because Sorg is a server and it's full of, uh, they say, uh, vulnerabilities because some programs can access other programs' information and composite information protocols. So Wayland is more secure in a way that it, every program has only knowledge about itself. And also this is bringing some problems because, for example, if you want to share a screen on Google Hangouts, it won't work on Wayland because Chrome is a browser that only has access to itself and it cannot see what you have on your screen. So there's a lot of work there. They're creating even a new Pulse Audio equivalent program, which is actually called, um, uh, hold on, I forgot the name. Uh, it's like a Pulse Audio equivalent, but for video. And Oh, I read well, about that. Um... Yeah, I love the name. It, it was something with P for sure. I mean, at first it was going to be called Pulse video, um, but oh, okay, I got it. It's Pipewire. So, yeah, Pipewire is basically was going to connect uh, like interfaces of at first of screen of what screen shows to different programs. It's going to be a common interface for different protocols. So it's quite complicated, and I think it's beyond our skills of technical knowledge, but. For many people, Wayland is the future, although Sorg is still updated and widely used and super stable, uh, where, where Wayland is still an experiment. So I'm guessing Ubuntu went to Genome way because of, uh, to, to make sh more progress and forward push and have more people using Wayland to identify well, more bugs and things like that. And, and I mean, obviously, and it's a lot more complicated than uh, just the technical things of choosing Wayland, right? Because for years they were working on Mir, um, and and alongside the Unity desktop, but they're kind of just abandoning things because of trying mm -hmm. to to more f focus less on the desktop and more on uh, like enterprise where they actually make money. Um, yeah. Well, the the thing about Unity is that they had to rewrite the whole thing to port it to Wayland, so. One of the reasons is they dropped it is, okay, we don't want to rewrite the entire Unity stuff. Let's just move to Genome, which is already working on Wayland. Right. And I, I think so. that, I think. you were talking about X Wayland. I think I remember on when I was using Solus that they're doing some stuff with Wayland as well. Um, but then they're also Gnome-based, just based on Budgie. So Yeah, so everything that's, that's you, I mean, any, any distribution that you install with Genome these days, 
is going to use by default genome on Wayland. Yeah, I think that's why they announced. I think that's why they're one of the reasons why they said that um, Budgie is going to go to be based on Qt in the future on version eleven. I think um, mm -hmm. that's yeah. be interesting. Um, all right. Anyway, so do you have? Let's. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about package managers in the future as we um, more specifically get into different distros. So like the next time we're going to be talking about Fedora 26. Um, and so we'll talk mm -hmm. about the package manager uh, in that then. So let's jump to picks of the week. I don't know if you have uh, a pick of the week, say, but I do. Um, yeah. So um, my pick of the week is NS. So I use this as a pick of the week on the threecast, which is my other podcast. Um, which I one? I couldn't again. get that one. No, I, which is your, your pick? I couldn't understand the name. NPASS, E-N-P-A-S-S. It's, oh, a pa okay. it's, a, it's a password manager. Basically, I, for, for, for a long time, longest time, I've been a, a, a LastPass user. Um, and I really enjoy do enjoy LastPass, especially since they went free and you don't have to pay to synchronize between different platforms. But LastPass doesn't really work well on Linux. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it has a browser extension that will work, but it doesn't have like a like a native client, and it's it's kind of really freaking annoying. Um, so I looked up um, like Linux password managers, and NPASS is everywhere. I mean, it's literally everywhere, um, including like native desktop free support. Um, you do have to pay for the mobile client, hmm. but it, it's just a one-time thing. You don't have to like subscribe or anything, so it's not terrible. Um, yeah, you're on the dangerous side of things in Linux if you have to pay, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know so, that, right? <laughs> right. So, the, so they, so it's for, like free on all desktops, free on Windows, free on Mac, free on Linux. Um, um, but anyways, it's it, it synchronizes not through anything, so you don't actually give them any information, which is great. You're responsible for synchronizing it between yourself. So whether you you use um, just a, a, an encrypted file that you have on your computer, or you synchronize it through a cloud account. Um, that's really that's really secure, whatever way. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can synchronize your, your password data, um, what, however secure you want to be. Um, and I think it's just great. It's, um, it works really well. It, it allows you to import from other password managers if, uh, if, you, like if you use one password on Mac or Windows, or if you use LastPass, or if you use... Um, uh, totally yeah. one, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ones. Anyways, they... You can import them. It's really nice. It's an, and I didn't mind uh, paying for it on the mobile platform. Um, hmm. I mean, it's, it's like ten bucks, and like I'm I'm okay with it. Um, uh, it, I don't believe that it's open source though. Uh, okay. So there's there's one thing about that, but I also don't know if that. I'm not sure with passwords if I'd want it to be completely open source. I don't. I mean, I'm not sure which way I'd want to go on that thing. Maybe I mean I'm sure there's there are open source ones out there that are just fine, but I'm not sure if the code was out there how secure that would actually be. I'm not sure how it would work. Yeah. Did you do, I mean, did you use a little bit the standard Linux um, password like the K ring stuff? Uh, yeah. See, the the problem is say is that I, you got to remember I switch distros all the time, so um, like so like KDE has its own. Uh, wallet system. Budgie has its own wallet system. Gnome has, I think, a wallet system, but they don't really work together. So and you're, and I'm, and I'm always moving around. So I, I wanted one program that I could take on whatever distro I'm using and just let it work. 
Um, yeah. And if I had to sacrifice not using, you know, like the default, then I was okay with it, I guess. Um, anyways, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my pick. What, what, what about your pick? Okay, my pick is Redshift. It's not new, but it's my pick anyways. It's a color temperature adjustment tool that basically helps your eyes when you work at night. Basically turns the high contrast white color of your monitor into some sort of low light red orange. So, well, if you're kind of a person like me that works at night and reads a lot and maybe develop some tools and stuff. This tool sh uh, like actually helps your eyes. <laughs> so it's a must-have for me. Any distro I install or whatever I do, I always bring the Redshift program, which basically reduces the uh, light uh, blue color throwing out the screen into more like rest, rest and relaxing red color on the monitor. So that's my pick. I had heard of that before, and I think I'll actually uh, look that up because, I mean, sometimes I stare at the computer way too long. Yeah, um, that helps a lot. <laughs> all right, so um, my computer and Internet are about to turn into a pumpkin, so um, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so uh, via the email address, which is email at the linuxcast.com. Um, I'm at MTWB on Twitter and Mastodon, although I still have not... Uh, actually use Mastodon like at all. <laughs> Maybe I should. I don't know. That's like the open source Twitter thing. But um, anyways, uh, Ricky, who is not here, is Ricky underscore Williams 1. Uh, I believe he'll be with us for the next one. I'm not sure if Saif will be or not because we're doing it at a different time. But we'll see. Um, anyways, uh, Saif is... Uh, what are Jensen you, Jensen Vars. Jensen Vars. J-E-A-N-S-E-N-V-A-R-S. A-A-R-S. All right. Yeah. Uh, Difficult. That's just a mouthful there, man. Anyway, so LinuxCast is at the LinuxCast. Uh, uh, the oh, we, you know what? We do have a Facebook page. I, I totally forgot about that. I set up, I set up a Facebook account uh, recently for, for this. I don't know. I don't think we have enough likes yet. I mean, literally, I just started it. Uh, I don't think we have enough likes to actually get a – oh, no. I lied. We're Facebook.com slash the LinuxCast. <laughs> uh, so we, we did apparently have enough for a handle. You have to have 25 but, likes to get a handle, and I don't, I don't even see any likes. Okay, handle. let's get to 50. Yeah, all right, anyways. Um, that's our Facebook thing. Anyways, that is it for us this time. Uh, we will be back in October with uh, Fedora 26. We'll see you then. Oh, yeah, that's there. Fedora 27. Yeah.